0: You're listening to the Hillspring Church audio podcast. Hillspring exists so that all people can find and embrace a life of faith through Christ. For more information or to get involved, visit us on the web at hillspringchurch.org. All right, I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. Once not you stand as we read this together? We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to speak to us this morning. God, we thank you so much for this day that we can be together and just remember when you came into Jerusalem as king. And Lord, we just pray that you would speak to our hearts and minds this morning. God, that you continue to build your church among us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, God, and use us to glorify you through everything we say and do. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Stay standing as we read this together. Matthew 21.1, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, say to your daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? You guys can grab a seat. But what comes to your mind when you think about a king? When I ask you to think about a king, what are some of the things that come to mind? And the title king has always been associated with things such as power, strength, authority, military might, or perhaps someone, you know, a regal figure that's uh, sitting on a throne, right, adorned in this luxurious robe with a golden crown on their head, surrounded by loyal subjects. And over the centuries, people have elevated people to the power of king in hopes that they will overthrow oppressive rulers and bring about the world that they long for. Well, today's Palm Sunday, the day that People all across the world celebrate the time that Jesus was heralded as king as he entered the city of Jerusalem. And as Jesus entered Jerusalem, the people who received him imagined Jesus as a stereotypical king, kind of like a king that we just talked about, someone who just wields power and authority and then uses that to dominate and overthrow other regimes. The people who received Jesus as he entered Jerusalem saw him as a king who would lead them to fight and overthrow the control of the Roman Empire. In fact, even before Jesus entered Jerusalem, there were signs that that people who were following Jesus were beginning to see him in that way. As Jesus was traveling towards Jerusalem with his disciples, apparently the disciples were arguing amongst themselves because Mark records in Mark 9.33, he says, they came to Capernaum as they were on their way to Jerusalem. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. And then Matthew records in Matthew 18.1 that they outright asked Jesus, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? See, the disciples were beginning to sense that Jesus was going to establish a kingdom, that he was going to be their new king. And so they were starting to argue about who could get the most powerful position in Jesus' kingdom. In fact, they asked him outright, who's going to get that seat in your kingdom? Not long after this, Matthew records in Matthew 20, verse 20 to 21, that the mother of Zebedee's sons also came to Jesus with her sons. And she knelt down before him and asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. And she said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. And again, followers of Jesus envisioned him as this powerful king who would gain political control. So they were attempting to establish their position in the kingdom before he was even crowned king so that they would have power you know, as a result of his coming to power as well. This is how people viewed Jesus as he entered Jerusalem. This is why they praised him as he he came into the city riding on that donkey. As They praised him as he entered Jerusalem. This is why they laid down their coats and their, their palm branches before him. They were giving him the royal treatment. But there was one detail about Jesus as he entered the city that Jesus was very intentional about, that people, I think, missed when it came to understanding the, the type of king that Jesus was. And that's the fact that he rode in on a donkey. Now, it's true that riding in a don- on a donkey fulfilled a prophecy of their coming king that they would have, they would have been well aware of that, or at least they should have been well aware of that. They were well aware of the prophecies about the coming Messiah. And that prophecy said that he would come to them riding on a donkey. Zechariah 9.9, 9, that, that Matthew quoted that prophecy in retelling the story. He said, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. And it's kind of a contrast there, isn't it? Righteous and victorious, but lowly riding on a donkey. And so it was prophesied that the Messiah would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, and this was seen as a sign that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, but it also should have tipped people off about the type of king that Jesus would be. See, typically a king, if he were going to come into a city and overthrow the Roman government, he wouldn't come in on a donkey. I mean, if you were to pick any animal that you were going to ride into town on and, and, you know, show your power, would you pick, would anyone here pick a donkey? Right? But he So typically a king would ride in on a horse because horses were a symbol of power and of strength. But the donkey itself symbolized completely different things. It symbolized humility and peace instead of aggression and war. Horses were often used in battle while donkeys were a more peaceful, they were for more peaceful purposes simply as transportation or farming. And so by riding in on a donkey, Jesus was communicating to the people that he wasn't coming to conquer and subdue the world, but rather to bring peace and salvation. See, Jesus was a servant king. He was a servant king. But even apart from the donkey, Jesus provided plenty of hints during his ministry that he wasn't the king they were expecting, but rather he was a servant king. There were many, many hints, not even hints. They were just outright signs that he would be a servant king, not this dominant punishing leader, tyrannical leader. First of all, Jesus himself predicted his death. On the way into Jerusalem, he predicted his death three times. Now, if you're going to go overthrow another You know, another government, you don't typically say, well, I'm going to go in and die. That doesn't really get people all riled up like, yeah, let's go take over the world. But our leader is telling us that in a few days, he's going to die, he's going to be killed, right? So the first time we see this is in Matthew 16, 21 to 22. And Jesus said, Matthew explains from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and that he must be killed. And on the third day, he raised to life. It was unimaginable to his followers, so much so that Peter refused to believe that that would even happen. He said in verse 22, he's like, Lord, never, this shall never happen to you. He he had already recognized that Jesus would be the Messiah, the the king that God had sent to save them. And so when Jesus even talked about his death, it just didn't make sense to him. He said, there's no way that's ever gonna happen to you. And do you remember the woman who asked Jesus for positions for her two sons? Well, the disciples heard her and they were actually upset at her request. Because remember, they also wanted those positions and they wanted to make sure that they got those positions of power. So when they heard her speaking to Jesus, they got upset. And those positions belonged to them. But then Jesus revealed the true nature of his kingship in his response to them as well. And in Matthew 20, 25, Jesus called them together. and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Meaning, you know, all of the other kings in the world, they lord their power over their subjects like a typical king does. The the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He was telling them he wasn't going to be the type of king that they were envisioning. He didn't come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Over and over again, Jesus revealed the type of king that he would be. But I really just think that his disciples couldn't comprehend it. They couldn't comprehend it. They couldn't understand how how these these concepts of him serving and laying down his life would line up with being their leader and being their savior. That even in the days following his reception as king of Jerusalem, Jesus continued to provide clues to the type of king he really was. I won't read the story, but you'll recall if you're familiar. Leading up to the Passover, that, that uh, before they celebrated Passover together, what did Jesus do? He got down and he washed the feet of his disciples. Is that something a king does? Not typically. It's not the sign of power, is it? It's not the sign of subduing people who are below you. But rather, Jesus crouched down and he lowered himself to the point that he washed disciples. Again, when he was betrayed by Judas and arrested in the garden, what did he do? Did he, did he fight back? Did he tell all of his men to attack? No, instead he did the exact opposite. When Jesus, when they stepped forward to arrest Jesus, one of his disciples, right, stepped forward and cut off the ear of one of the guys who was, was attacked or was, who had come to arrest Jesus. And Jesus said in Matthew 26, 52, he said, put your sword back in its place for all who draw the sword will die. The sword. And then he went on to say, "Do you think I cannot call on my Father and He will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the Scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way?" And he went on to say, "You know, do you think I'm leading a rebellion?" And they were probably thinking, or they probably responded, "Yes, <laughs> I thought that's what we were here to do: is is have a rebellion and overthrow these." sinful, corrupt systems in our world. You know, these governments that are completely evil, not serving our God. I mean, this is not not what you had come to do. And Jesus said, no, I'm not here to lead up a rebellion and overthrow the powers by force. Jesus demonstrated over and over again that he didn't come to fight, to kill, or to destroy. In fact, his entire ministry was characterized by service and sacrifice. He healed the sick. He fed the hungry. He preached the good news to the poor. He spent time with outcasts and sinners, showing them love and acceptance. Jesus' ministry was marked with radical examples of love. That he was willing to go to any length to serve and save others, even laying down his life to forgive the sins of the world. Jesus was and is a king like no other king. He wasn't interested in power or conquests. He was and is a servant king. In fact, Jesus was so different from our understanding of what it means to be a king. It has enormous implications for us when we understand the type of king that Jesus is. First of all, the fact that Jesus is a servant king, it shows us who God really is. You might be here this morning and you have this perception of God as being this angry dictator who's just looking for a way to crush people who don't do what he says, right? There's a lot of people who carry that understanding of God around with them. But Jesus wasn't just a man, he was God in the flesh. And so as a servant king, Jesus showed us that God isn't a tyrannical, power-hungry ruler that many people see him to be. In fact, God himself, which is mind-boggling. I mean, it's one thing for us to understand a king that would be a servant king, but that God, the creator of the universe, would be a servant-hearted God. That the one who has more power than anything else in this universe, infinitely more power would come to serve us. It is just incomprehensible. But because Jesus, who is God in the flesh, came and served, we get this understanding of who God really is. And our God, as powerfully as he is, came to serve us. Jesus as a servant king shows us how he relates to his enemies. You know, if God is a tyrannical uh, leader, then enemies should just shudder in fear and live with guilt and shame. But as the son of God, Jesus had the power to judge and condemn, even destroy his enemies. He said, you know, could I not just ask my father and at once he'll send a legion of angels just to wipe out anyone in my way? He could have done that, but he chose to be a merciful king instead. To the point that he extended, as he hung on the cross, he extended forgiveness to the very people who mocked him and who nailed him to the cross. The mercy of Jesus that Jesus showed as a servant king, it's a reflection of God's love for all of humanity, including his enemies. And by loving his enemies, Jesus demonstrated the kind of love that God has for them, that God has for you. And maybe you are here because someone dragged you here this morning and you or you live in opposition to God, maybe you don't even believe in God or you're angry with God, but you need to understand that through sending Christ as a servant king, God has shown love for you, even if you see yourself as an enemy of God. If you're against God, know that God is not against you. He loves you. And as a servant king, rather than judging you and punishing you for your wrongdoing, Jesus offers you forgiveness from your sins. And when you turn to him, he welcomes you into his kingdom and gives you a fresh start. That's who God is. And we know that because of Christ, who is our servant king. The fact that Jesus is a servant king who shows mercy to his enemies is a reminder as well that we are all sinners and we're all in need of forgiveness. We were all once enemies of God and yet he gave himself up to forgive us and bring us into his kingdom. Jesus being a servant king shows us how he relates to us. So if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, the fact that Jesus is a servant king, it, it keeps us focused or keeps us aware of how he actually relates to his followers. Because if we see him as this tyrannical leader or this dominant force, then we can see Jesus as someone who is just here to subdue us and make us conform to everything you know everything. That he says, I mean, to a sense that's true, but he says, take my yoke upon you, right? Because it's not burdensome. When we think of a king or ruler, we often picture someone who's distant and unapproachable. But as a servant king, Jesus is available to us. He's not distant. He rules over us with love and compassion. He puts our needs ahead of his own. Can you imagine? He cares for us. He hears us. He provides for us. And finally, as a servant king, Jesus shows us how to live as people in his kingdom. With Jesus as our servant kingdom, we're called to follow in his footsteps. Just as he served others, just as he served us, we are also called to serve our fellow human beings and to serve one another. Especially those who are most vulnerable in need, especially those who seem the most unlovable, especially which is hard to believe, our enemies. Whether it's feeding the hungry, visiting the sick and in prison showing hospitality, going out of our way to encourage one another, we're called to be servants just as Jesus was a servant. The Apostle Paul explained it this way in Philippians 2, 5-8. to death even death on a cross and what he was saying and reminding the church was that jesus didn't come to earth to be served but to serve he didn't use his his divinity divinity to his advantage but instead chose to take on the form of a servant and ultimately he humbled himself to the point of death on the cross for our sins And if that's who our king is, if that's who our leader is, if that's who our God is, then we are called to lives of humility and service as well. Palm Sunday, it's a special day that marks the beginning of Jesus' kingship. When Jesus rode into town as king on Palm Sunday, remember though that he came on a lowly donkey. Remember the type of king that he is. He didn't come with armies fighting, but with love and mercy. He didn't come to overtake the world by force, but by giving up his life for the forgiveness of our sins. Through this, he's shown us who God truly is. Our God is a loving and merciful God who treats his enemies with mercy and who leads his followers in the way of love and compassion. And may we strive as a church to be servants of our King, willing to serve and sacrifice for others. Maybe people who come in and are never fighting for power with one another, never fighting to elevate ourselves above one another, but to come and to serve and to give ourselves every time we get together to love one another and to give of everything everything that we have to elevate those around us up, to build them up so that the love of God may be seen in everything that we do, not just here on a Sunday morning, but when we go to, to, to work, when we live at, in our homes with our families, that we give everything that we have, that we never grow tired in giving what we have. We just simply day after day say, How much more can I give? In what ways can I give myself for those around me? What ways can I serve? In what ways can I show generosity? Because the God who made us and has blessed us with so much gave everything up for us. And so let's be people who serve just as our God served us. Would you stand with me? The team's gonna come and they're gonna lead us in one more song, but let's just pray. And I want to encourage you to just join me in a prayer this morning of praise to God for who he is. And gratefulness that acknowledges the fact that a mighty God would come and give himself up for us. Would you close your eyes with me? And you can, and God knows your thoughts, but you can can praise him with your mouth. You, You can just speak silently if you want to, or quietly, or you can speak out loudly if you want to. But why don't you just... Praise God this morning on this Palm Sunday and acknowledge him for who he is, a mighty God who is so loving that he gave himself up for us. God, we thank you this morning that you loved us so much that you let go of everything for us. God, when you could have come and just completely obliterated your enemies, God, which would have included, which includes us as well. Those who have failed so many times when you could have punished us or wiped us out, God, you came to forgive. You came to give yourself up. You came to serve, to wipe away our sins. You are so good to us. And so we praise you this morning, God. You are above All else. You are greater than any other leader or ruler or celebrity that has ever walked the face of this earth. You are so kind to us. You are so tender hearted. You are so compassionate. God, help us to understand who you really are this Sunday and in the days to come. And God, may who you are just sink deep into our hearts, God, and may we become, by the power of your Spirit in us, more and more servant-hearted like you. Lead us, our King, we pray in your name. Amen. Let's sing this song together.